Hey, so we're gonna continue to park in this series around mercy as we look at this attribute of God and how he would have us express it here in our lives and, and affect those around us. Hey, I grew up uh, with two brothers. and One brother, my older brother, uh, I was particularly close with and there was a lot of upsides to growing up with uh, a brother. You kind of had a close built-in friend um, you did a whole lot of stuff together. He was always there for me. Someone to give good advice, give support, this kind of thing. But there's also a downside to being a younger brother. And that is you end up being uh, the destination of all of his frustration that he can take out on his pesty younger brother. Now, when these days would come and my brother had reached boiling point and he decides to channel all of that angst towards me, he would do one particular CIA torture maneuver called the typewriter. Now, some of you might be familiar with this, but this is where you take your pesty little brother and you put him on his back and my brother would climb on top of my chest, he would pin my two arms with his knees and then he would take the typewriter, and he would type onto my chest, right? Now, he would do this until I say one word. If I say this one word, he would release me. But if I don't say this one word, he would just continue to type on my chest. And I would get so infuriated at him, and I would say all kinds of things that I couldn't back up, like, if you let me off, I'm going to beat you up, which I couldn't do, or I'm going to give you money if you let me up, or whatever. And he'd say, say the word, say the word, say the word, say the word. And eventually, when his knee was starting to divide the muscle tendons from my bone, I would say, okay, okay, I'll say it, mercy. And as soon as I said mercy, he would immediately get up. And being brothers, we would kind of end up in the backyard playing basketball, seeming moments just after that, right? But this is something that we know is a key phrase to activate being released from something. One of my uh, favourite movies, dating myself, is Braveheart 1995. And there's this epic scene where William Wallace is on the torture table by the king, played by Mel Gibson, fellow Australian, by the way. Uh, and they have this moment where the king says, if you say it, we will release you. Say the word and we'll release it. And the crowd starts to say, mercy, mercy, mercy. And of course, if you've seen the movie, he refuses to say that word, mercy. There's actually a mercy rule in sport. And that's when someone is so defeating the, the opposition that they enact a mercy rule. We know this term in our lives. Mercy is something that I defined last week as unmerited forgiveness plus undeserved favour. Or, or listen to this, justice is getting what you deserve, reprimand. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, release, and grace is getting what you don't deserve, reward. It was theologian A.W. Tozer who said, mercy is not something God has, but something God is. 
So to separate God from mercy is like separating wet from water, heat from the sun, blue from the sky, green from the grass, burning from fire. The source of mercy of God is therefore inexhaustible and he dispenses it to whom he will. It cannot be claimed as a right by the sinner. For you and I are not entitled to any of it. We are not entitled to any of it. Paul writes it like this in Romans 9. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Further in that chapter, in verse 23, Paul goes on to explain that we are the recipients of mercy and therefore we have become the vessels of God's mercy. So with the time remaining, my goal is that we will grow in our desire for mercy in our lives. And I wanna walk us through four key words as a kind of prayer movement to encourage the stream of the knowledge of God's mercy in our lives so that we would be greater vessels of the mercy of God. I've been praying these four words for the last couple of months and it's something that I'd encourage you if you've got something to write with or you wanna pull out your phones, four words we're gonna walk through this morning. The first is the word claim, claim his mercy. Last week, we celebrated the fact that people asked for God's mercy and claimed that mercy in their lives for the very first time. We parked in Acts 2.21 that says, but anyone who asks for mercy from the Lord shall have it and shall be saved. We spoke about a, a three model prayer to approaching God when first asking for His mercy. The first posture is acknowledging that mercy begins with God and we come to him as the God of mercy and we say thank you. We thank him for his mercy. It's available and attainable because of his son. Second, we acknowledge we need his mercy because of our propensity to continually mess up. Or is that just me? <laughs> so with a contrite heart and a repentant soul, we say sorry. Third, and last, we make the big ask to a holy God. We say, please, please apply the atoning work of the cross of Jesus Christ at Calvary over my life. No longer applying our guilt, shame and regret, but gifting us freedom and breaking the chains of sin that bind us. Some of you did that for the very first time last week. Last week, on Easter weekend 2023, you asked for the mercy of God in your life. And so I wanna encourage and echo what Abby talked about with the Alpha Course. If you did that and you wanna take the next steps of learning how to be a follower of Jesus and, and more of understanding His mercy in your life, then come along to the Alpha Course. It begins a week from Tuesday. Now, maybe when you're listening to me, you're like, I'm not sure what happened in my journey, but I kind of feel like I skipped some of the foundations of the faith. Can I attend the Alpha course? Absolutely. And maybe some of you would just say, I'd love a refresher 
of the claims of Jesus and the authenticity and credibility of the Bible, I'd, I'd love to go along to the Alpha course. It's available for you as well. We'd love to have you there. Now, as believers, as it says in 1 Peter 2.10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. We have identity as God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Therefore, what wakes us up in the morning is God's mercy. And as believers, we're woken up by His mercy, but also to His mercy. By His mercy and to His mercy. We have a an increased awareness and greater sensitivity that even seemingly mundane daily events are now laced with the manifestations of God's assisting mercy in our lives. Some of you are aware of an old, old hymn that talks about great is thy faithfulness and new mercies every morning. It comes from the scripture, Lamentations 3:23. It says those words, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. We're called to step into our quota of mercy every day. With confidence, we stand to receive a daily portion of mercy that God has granted for us to claim as Christians. Then this mercy is imprinted on the believer's heart and makes mercy a common wish and blessing between each of us. Several letters into the, in the New Testament to the church were written with an introduction of saying a blessing or a wishing for mercy on one another. For such is the richness of mercy. And it's therefore, in light of this, it's not an overstatement to say that believers grow in a consciousness not only of being recipients of God's mercy in a one-time gift of salvation, but also being daily recipients of, listen to this, fresh mercies of God. We become his trophies and his ownership and his care for us is known. So I wanna encourage you to start your morning with an acknowledgement of God's invitation for you to claim his mercy in your life. A new portion of mercy, especially for you for today claim it. Secondly, to remain in the stream of the knowledge of God's mercy. The second word is to confess. Confess our need for his mercy. Romans 9, so it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. So distinction, we don't confess to earn God's mercy, but to daily receive it. To keep the stream of the knowledge of God's mercy flowing in our lives, we must daily confess our wrongdoings by keeping short accounts with God. 1 John 1 reminds us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Being clean and clear before God leaves us as an unhindered conduit for the mercy of God to flow through us. Therefore, all the unconfessed junk in our heart becomes an interruption to the stream of mercy in our lives. 
See, God desires to unleash a cascade of daily mercy into our existence. God desires to unleash a cascade of daily mercy into our existence. When I was a a younger youth pastor, I was fairly um, immature and, and naive, particularly when it came to what it meant to serve other ministries in the life of the church and serve as a team on a church staff. And the, the area that I led in the, in the church building was a, a multi-purpose room. And we predominantly used it for two things, uh, Wednesday nights for the teenagers and Thursday night for young adults. Now, the young adult leader at the time was a guy by the name of Sean. And I know in that era, I didn't do a lot to serve Sean or his ministry. Now, many years later, I was having a time of reflection and confession before God, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me from that season in my life. And he kind of brought it up, and I thought it was kind of strange because it happened years and years ago. But he brought me to a place of awareness of like, you, you never served at the end of your youth night and cleaned up after the teenagers. You never set the room back up for young adults the following night. You, you never reset the uh, projectors or the audio equipment, setting up the chairs, cleaning up the trash. You never did any of that. And the Holy Spirit was right. And I look back at that time, and, and so I just had this time of confession. I said, God, I don't, I want, I don't want this in my heart. And in that time, I made this kind of commitment to God, and maybe you've made these kind of commitments before, where I I said something that I knew was extremely unlikely to happen, and that was, I said to God, if I ever see Sean again, I will share this and confess and ask his forgiveness. Now, a clear 17, 18 years have gone by, and last November, I walk into a room and I see Sean and I'm like, oh, schweppervescence. <laughs> the Holy Spirit brings to my mind, I made this commitment. If I ever see Sean again, I would confess to him. Now, if you're like me, I had all of these second guessing this, God, this is ridiculous. Like I prayed and you forgave me. I don't need to bring it up with him, right? I'm doing all this self-talk. It was so long ago. And God, on top of all of that, I don't think this guy would even recognise me. And, and what kind of loose cannon would I look like saying, and then 18 years ago, I did this. It's just gonna be, no, God, I'm not doing it, right? <laughs> just no, right? But what strikes me is, It doesn't matter how long ago it was, and it doesn't matter whether it's for that person that they know that you wronged them or not. I realised it's something in my heart that I want to remove so that I could channel and be a clear conduit for more mercy in my life. That's why I should confess. And so I walked across the room and I'm rehearsing in my mind, like introducing myself to the guy because he's not even going to recognise me. And I come up to him and he greets me by name and then unexpectedly he gives me the warmest hug. And after some pleasantries, I say, Sean, can we step into another room? I'd, I'd like to share something with you. And he said, absolutely. And we went in this other room and I told him 
um, you know, back 18 years ago, and I did that, and I just didn't know what it meant to set up other ministries to win. I didn't know what it meant to be on a team. And I, if I could go back and redo that time of ministry in my life, I would love to do it. But right now I'm standing in front of you, and I just want to say, I'm sorry, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. Now, again, I was aware that it's probably going to affect Sean a whole lot at all, but what I didn't expect in this moment is the gift that God gave me was to experience an image of the mercy of God being channeled from one believer to another. And now in my life, in my faith journey, I will forever have that meeting in November last year as one of the images that is crystal clear in my mind. What does it look like to give another believer mercy from heaven? And for me, it's a picture of Sean on that day. A gift that God gave me in the midst of it. If every day we could understand what it means to claim the mercy that God has for us and to be very quick to confess so that we are clean and clear, so that stream of mercy could just flood our lives, cascade into our hearts and through our lives. Such is the power to confess. Luke said it like this in Luke 6, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Not much for us not to understand there. Simple. Why should we be merciful? Because our father is merciful. The next word is cultivate. Cultivate his mercy. Claim, confess, now cultivate. In awareness of God's past, present, and future mercy towards us, an element of our response to God takes on a new force in the pages of the New Testament. Christians are to be channels of God's mercy in the church to one another and to the world. In more general terms, it, to show mercy is a characteristic of life in the kingdom of God, a demonstration of kingdom presence here on earth. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus famously declared, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Therefore, one of the marks of righteousness and signs associated with entering of God's kingdom here on earth is our given ability by God to mirror his mercy to others and in doing so, cultivate more mercy in our lives. Did you catch that? As we get to mirror God's mercy, it cultivates more mercy for us. Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. The Bible teaches that God's mercy and compassion reaches into everyday life and especially to those who are needy and without help. You know, you don't have to drive very far from here to a main intersection on one of our highways to experience panhandlers that we have all around our area. Now, we could have a debate on whether giving money to these people is gonna hurt or help them in the future. In fact, we could stop and have a debate about compassion versus actually doing compassion. Right Now, I don't always get this right. When I don't get this right, 
I pull up at the intersection and I say to myself, don't get eye contact. <laughs> I start to recite to myself how uh, giving money to these people is not the best thing that's going to help them. And I kind of stay in that spiral of kind of debating justice and compassion in my mind of all the reasons why I should not press down my window. Then there are times when I get it right. And at times when I get it right, I try and ask two questions. I put down my window and I ask, what is your name? And if God could answer one prayer today, how could I pray for you? So near where I live, one of the intersections, I came up to it one day and I put down my window and a guy came up to me and I said, what is your name? And he said, my name's Robert. He was wearing a, a veteran's hat. I said, are you a vet? He said, yes. I said, thank you for your service. I said, where did you serve? He said, World War II in Papua New Guinea. I said, really? My grandfather from Australia served in World War II in Papua New Guinea. And we had this moment together. And then I said to him, Robert, if God could answer one prayer for you today, what can I pray for? And do you know, he did not say money. He said, on the back of my head, there is a growth that's causing migraines if you could pray for my migraines. I said, I will do that, the light changed, and off I went. A Couple of weeks later, I approached that same intersection and I saw this same man and I said, Holy Spirit, help me remember this man's name. And by the sweetness of God, he put Robert in my mind. I put my window down and I said, hey Robert, could you imagine the look on his face when I called him by name. He came over and I said, Robert, remember my grandfather served in Papua New Guinea in World War II and, and you did and thank you for your service and I've been praying for your migraines. Down here on what I call Chick-fil-A Corner as you turn on to 751, <laughs> maybe it's because I go to Chick-fil-A too much, but it is Christian chicken, so come on, right? <laughs> I put my window down and I called the guy over and I said, what is your name? And he said, Jeremy. And I said, Jeremy, if God would answer one prayer for you today, how could I pray for you? And he said, for my daughter. He didn't say money, folks. He said, for my daughter. Now you say to me, why do you even need to ask them what they want prayer for? They're begging for money. Obviously, they want money. Is it? Is it dignity to answer on their behalf? Or is it dignity to ask them? how could I pray for you, right? So Jeremy says, would you pray for my daughter? And I said, what's your daughter's name? And he said, Corinne, and she's six years old. And because I don't have a job, I don't have custody, and so I can't see her very often. I said, Jeremy, if you could get a job, what, what line of work would you like? And he said, painting, I, I paint houses. And I said, Jeremy, I'm gonna pray for your relationship with Corinne I'm gonna pray God would open up a door for a painting job. Well, a couple of weeks later, I came to that same intersection and there he was. I prayed that same prayer. This time, God, I need two names. I need the guy's name and his daughter's name. <laughs> you know what? God loves to answer practical prayers, friends, right? By the time I pushed that window down, Jeremy, Corinne, I got it. Hey, Jeremy, he turned around known, seen. He came up to my car and I said, hey, I've been praying for your daughter, Corinne. And I've been praying that God would open up a painting job for you. I had some food and I gave him some food. I'm gonna to continue to pray. You see, I think 
We get so caught up in debating justice and compassion, we forget to actually do it. I think that when God gives us new mercies every day, He gives us mercy that would channel through us as believers and touch other people's lives. I think God created every single panhandler and He loves them and has a plan for their life and He sends you and I to be the channels of mercy to their lives. I think this is dignity, right? I think this is mercy. And I didn't tell you or debate with you whether you give them money or not. I just said, we can do better. Yes? We're called to give dignity and operate in mercy. And I just think we can do better. Let me say it in a really simple, convicting way. It matters to God how we treat others. It matters to our Father in heaven how we treat others. And I believe God is often wanting to use you and I as His vessels of the expression of mercy here on earth, even more when we come to people who are struggling, so that He would use our lives, our interaction with people that would fan the flame of hope in their life. So by the time we leave their presence, we leave their interaction, they're left with more hope than when we first found them. The gift of mercy extended through our lives. And here is the kingdom truth. The more we operate in mercy, the more we cultivate the character of God in our lives. And the greater the character of God, the more mercy we have available to demonstrate. That's cool. The more mercy directly correlated to the more the character of God is living in our lives, is being mirrored in our lives, then mercy will be present. In James 3, it says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. We don't like doing that on the freeway, never mind to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. Firstly, I'm encouraging you to claim God's mercy in the morning, to confess your need for His mercy, and then to cultivate. Say, God, would you give me opportunities and expressions throughout this day where I would further cultivate the mercy in our lives? And the fourth is celebrate God's mercy. Why did I use the word celebrate? Because it starts with a C. (laughs) Paul writes about himself in 1 Timothy 1, and he says, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. 
Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. So my question, when have you seen the hand of God's mercy in your life? Or better still, when is the last time you've reflected on that fact? When have you paused to acknowledge the beautiful promise of God that he has new mercies for you each and every day? When we stop and trace the sovereignty of God and the exercise of his mercy, the result for a believer is celebration. We can't help but have a deeper understanding of God's mercy in our lives that causes us more joy, more happiness, and causes the believer to celebrate that God is so, so good. He's so good to me. Pastor Mark Batterson writes, his mercies never come to an end, they are new every morning. The English word new in the Hebrew is the word hardest. It means never before experienced. Today's mercy is different from yesterday or the day before or the day before the day before. Just as the seasonal flu vaccine changes from year to year, God's mercy changes from day to day. It's a new strand of mercy. Why? Because you didn't sin today the way you did yesterday. Figure out how old you are, not in years, but in days. That's the sum total of different kinds of mercy you've received life to date. By the time you're 21, you've experienced 7,665 unique mercies. When you hit midlife, it numbers 14,600. And by the time you hit retirement, God has mercied you 23,725 unique times. How would we ever think we were not meant to celebrate the mercy and activity of God in our lives? So this week, I wanna encourage you to implement those four C's into your daily chair time. To first understand that it is there for you to claim the awareness and knowledge of the stream of God's mercy available for you. Confess it, cultivate it, and celebrate that God wants to use you. That God ultimately wants you to be an unhindered, conduit, a channel from heaven's mercy through and in your life to impact and touch others. So much is our opportunity to increase our awareness of the beauty of God's mercy in our life. Amen? I wanna ask if you're able to, if you would please stand to your feet. And if you're part of the prayer team, would you go ahead and slip out of your row and come down the front right now. And before I say a closing prayer and, and release us today, I wanna encourage you if there is something that God is doing in your heart today, seal it before you leave. Just that act of obedience of coming forward and just asking for prayer can sometimes be the thing that breaks one of those chains that is binding your life right now. 
So let's go to God and celebrate in prayer His mercy. So Heavenly Father, as we think about Your mercy, these four movements to be aware that we have an opportunity to claim and confess and cultivate and celebrate. Father, also that we would understand in a greater measure the flow of the stream of mercy in our lives. God, You would then see us to see the needs and the hurting of others around us in more acute ways. God, the more mercy we have, the more You'll be able to use us because we'll choose our words carefully. God, the more mercy that You would trust us with, the more that we're able to help and value people. We're able to identify those on the fringe in our workplace, in our extended families, in our neighbourhoods, in our kids' sports. God's those times when we see someone who in a social setting is being excluded, people are walking away and you'd call us to walk in. And so God, I pray by your mercy that you would do that in our lives so that Father, we could be greater vessels. The character of God displayed by mercy to others. And Lord, we acknowledge that you have done it to us you have done that that is extending to us what we don't deserve. Father, you didn't give us what we deserve. You released us from it. And in its place, you gave us what we don't deserve. And that was a reward called your grace. And we live in it, God. We thank you for it. Father, before I close this prayer, because I use this as an illustration, I want us to ask Lord, for every under-resourced person, every homeless person, everyone who is choosing because of uh, mental health or some kind of brokenness in their life and heartache, that they've chosen that the path of least resistance is to be a panhandler in one of the intersections around us. God, we pray for each and every one of those lives that you dearly love. And we ask, God, that you would choose new hope to be the vessels of mercy to those people. We love you, God. We walk in your mercy this week. And then it is in the name of the one who is all mercy, Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone agreed said? Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Grace and peace.